Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the RV. On today's episode, we are headed to Brooklyn, New York, to speak to Gary Morgenstein. Gary is a playwright and author. He has published six novels and has a new play coming out in April called A Tomato Can't Grow in the Bronx. And I just love this title. So, Gary, welcome to the RV. Thank you for having me on. I'm delighted to be here. Yes, I was looking forward to talking with you. So, Gary, you are our first playwright to appear on the RV. What came first for you? Writing novels or writing plays? Well, actually, writing novels came first. I started writing when I was uh, short stories when I was about eight years old. I think like a lot of artists, um, you grow up in dysfunctional families and you want, I mean, just, you know, this is the craziness of writing and you want to escape. So you create stories where everything is a lot more pleasant <laughs> than what's being surrounded, right? And so that's when I started writing um, novels and I published, you know, published a couple novels and then I just got bitten by the theater bug. So it's, it's uh, you know, writing novels and writing plays are obviously very different. When you write a novel, it, your name's on it. Good or bad, there's no one to blame. That, that's it. <laughs> it's your responsibility. But when you write plays, it, it's wonderful to have the camaraderie and the collegialness and uh, working with other people who invest your words um, with meaning you didn't even know they had. That, and that's why I had um, my play, A Black and White Cookie, another play opened in um, October at the Silver Spring stage. It was directed by Jacqueline Newman, a, a stellar cast. And now A Tomato Can't Grow in the Bronx opens in April. It was postponed from February because of COVID. And that's going to be at the Center Players in Freehold, New Jersey. Wow. And Gary, how would you differentiate the writing process of a novel compared to the writing process of a play? Well, when you write a novel, all the words, they appear. And, you know, you don't need to hear them. I mean, you hear them. As you're, you're a novelist. You know what I'm talking about. All, all those out there are, are writers and also, of course, readers understand when you read, you hear it. But, they, but you, when you write a play, you have to write and adjust for that world where it's live. And you, so you have, you have the immediate gratification when you write a play. When you write a novel, unless someone writes you, someone talks to you, someone does a review, you don't know what they think. But with a play, you're sitting there in the theater anxiously waiting for a response. Um, my, my very first play, I was sitting next to a friend of mine and at the, at the end of the first act, he nudged me, says, you can breathe now. Because it's, you know, <laughs> you're like, because it's, it, it, there's that terrifying sense of, oh, my God, they hate it. Okay. No one's laughing. Okay. And also, what's kind of interesting with um, I, when my play Black and White Cookie premiered, uh, there was a first time, obviously, I sat and heard my play, saw my play with people wearing masks. 
so you don't necessarily hear the laughter as much, which, you know, make, if, if you're a neurotic writer, that kind of feeds into it. I mean, think about it, right? It's not the belly laugh. It's not the roar. It's a little, it's muffled. That's yeah. so, um, so, so you, but then the, the beauty of theater is that you do have the instant gratification. And when you see that people are responding, when people are laughing, or the most important thing for a writer to accept is when it's quiet, they're listening. And that's what you want as well. They're paying attention. So you have all that going on. It's a whole different ballgame. Um, but, you know, my novels might have my dystopian political novels, A Mound Over Hell and A Fastball for Freedom. They're, they're different. They're kind of darker. They're both dark, set in 2098 after America and the world has lost World War III to the radical Islamic empire. But ultimately, people come together through faith. And I don't mean necessarily the faith in a religion or the faith in God, but the faith in ourselves and each other, which I think is we've all gone through this horrible plague. We didn't know a year and a half, almost two years ago, whether that was going to be a really prophetic science fiction movie coming on, right? What was going to happen to the human race? No one knew for sure what was happening. I mean, it was it, that's how it starts in all the novels and movies. Um, but we were getting through it. And I think it's important when you write, no matter what forum, you've got to give something positive to your readers. And not a message, not some heavy handed theme or speech. No, I'm not talking about that. But just a sense of hope that no matter what, and in my novels, the characters, they're ordinary people caught up in extraordinary times who become unlikely and unwilling at times heroes. Ultimately, no matter what is happening, we, we are based, we, we, we care about getting through the day. And it's like, and the love and finding love and companionship and something to look forward to. And, and I think that's all, always important when you write books, no matter how dark it might be to give the reader that. I have a quick announcement for you guys. It is the RV's first birthday. I cannot believe how fast time has gone. We decided to celebrate. We wanted to give you, our listeners, a small token of our appreciation. So as a thank you for joining us on the RV's trip around the world, we will be giving five lucky subscribers the chance of getting your own personalized cartoon portrait by the same illustrator who created all of our promotional campaigns. All you need to do is make sure you are subscribed to our website www.luciamatuonto.com. If you are selected, you will be contacted via email to provide a photo of your choice to create your personalized cartoon and a short description to properly illustrate the background and setting. So please make sure you are subscribed and the lucky winners will be selected during the month of February. And Gary, most recently your critically acclaimed trilogy has been successful. And the first novel of the trilogy is called A Mound Over Hell. And the sequel is called A Festival for Freedom. Can you tell us the inspiration behind this story? Well, you know, it's always fun when writers will say, oh, well, I was researching and I got, you know, and all this. 
And then, you know, God touched my forehead, you know, give it up. This is a few years ago before the first novel. My wife and I, Sunday morning, were eating everything bagels with a schmear. I don't know if your audience, how many people know what a schmear is, but it's a, a spread of cream cheese and listening to the Beatles. And this idea popped into my head. What if America lost World War Three and it was the, the country was run by this um, enigmatic entity called the family led by grandma and baseball started its final season ever. And I said, whoa, that is some really powerful everything bagel I'm eating right now. <laughs> and so that's where it came. So what I wanted to do was show what happens when you lose your country and you lose your form of government. And, and this is very much post-democracy. We fail, we fail democracy because there's nothing um, that says that a country will remain free forever, that a country will remain a world power forever. Just look at history. We go back and forth, you have to fight for it. And I mean, fight with your heart and your mind. And so America failed and the West failed. And so I wanted to see what would happen how we would get through that. And I wanted to give America a gut punch. So then the question becomes, well, who would we lose World War III to? To lose it to Russia is boring. It's been done before, right? Come on. <laughs> China might be more likely, but, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be that interesting to write. But Islam, Islam is, you know, the third rail between, you know, Islam and the West going back almost 700 years. So there was a clash of cultures. So what I show in the novel, and I tried to make it contemporary now, is hatred. You and it solidified. So how do we ever get past hate? And so it's with and so it's unlikely it's through baseball. Through baseball. Yes, 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 because baseball, the the sentimentality, the old-fashionedness of baseball. And whether you you don't have to like baseball necessarily to like the novels, because it's world building. Um but it's kind of one of the themes. For example, in the so it's a new America setup, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's also um, part of the uh, book takes place in Europe. Actually, in Spain, uh, two of the main characters are in Barcelona. One, a girl in an orphan, a very feisty eleven-year-old, Clary Santiago. She's <laughs> and um, a Muslim fisherman, Azar Mustafa. So it's called the Caliphate of Spain now, or Andalus. And also it takes place chunks in England, specifically in London. But in America, the new government um, does things, for example, you and I could not be doing this because in that America, social media is banned under the anti-narcissism law. And Gary, it must be very difficult to write dystopian novels. And when you write dystopian novel, you have to develop your own rules and you have to be consistent with those rules. And you also have to give the reader something that makes sense they could see happening while giving them something creative. So for example, in this world, patriotism is banned. So you could kind of see how religion is dying out in, in America, perhaps other parts of the world. You can you could tell me about that. Patriotism certainly is becoming, you know, less than popular. But social the reason, but this world is based on love and family and society and friendships and relationships. So I don't want to shock everyone, but the 1,000 followers or friends you have on Facebook really aren't your friends. Hmm. And so, and and in this world, you're supposed to, it's individual responsibility. You have to make up your own mind and take the accountable. So 
so I didn't ban social media because of something, because of Mark Zuckerberg or Twitter or any, I had to come up with a reason for the time set in the novel. And I think that's really important to give your readers. And do you believe that it could happen in the next few years? I, I think there's so much turmoil going on in the world and so many things are, are happening. There's so much polarization. I also think you can't really predict history because you don't know, because you people forget, well, you know, I love when they, they make predictions, okay? And what, you know, the, the, the genius says, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. What they forget and what your novelist always must remember, as you know, is that it's the people who make history individuals make history. When you fight a war, for example, it's all well and good to say, yeah, well, these grand strategies of the generals yeah, in the rear, but it's the men and women in the trench holes who are fighting for each other who determine history. And, I, and so I don't think you could predict what's going to happen because it's just you and me and everyone out there who, is, who, are, who are the real leaders. And we just have to remember that. You're absolutely right. And there are some forecasts that never happen. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, really? I mean, it's, you can't, they can't even get the weather right. No. You know? <laughs> Come on. You can't get the weather right. Well, it snows, maybe it'll rain, maybe it won't. I mean, really hedging your bets? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Gary, your lovely wife, Marcina, is also a playwright, as well yes. as a director and theater critic. Yes. So the family is all together. Yeah. So how yeah. involved is she in your writing process? Well, what's interesting is that we write very different works. She does things a little more avant-garde, her plays, and she prefers those kind of plays. And I write very linear reality plays. In fact, I just finished a new play and I gave it to her. And she said, you know, you never have soliloquies. I said, yeah, there's no like Lady Macbeth, you know, walking around. I am like, this is what people are like. And I don't go for any gimmicks on stage. I, um, I think one of the things which are hurting modern film, for example, is the use of CGI, overuse of CGI. It's, you know, the forgetting it's about characters and plot. And it's, CGI, for example, the movie is great to accentuate a story but it shouldn't be the substitute. So we have, we write very different sort of plays, but we're very supportive of each other, which is, you know, the most important thing of all. Yeah, this is the most important thing. For example, I write my book and then I show yeah. to my family. I don't ask for the opinion before it. No, no, no. I don't like to ask anyone's opinion. No, once I'm done, that's something different. But as I'm doing it, it's me. You know what it's like. It's all these characters running around in your head. And we know it's the characters who are going to do. You understand this, um, but sometimes they take over the scene, right? They'll, you'll be writing something. They'll say, no, schmuck, that's not how it's supposed to be. What, what are you thinking? I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't say that. But they're real. They are real life people. When Martina and I first got married, it's going to be um, eight years in August, by the way. And she was sitting in the room while I was writing. And she says, what's wrong? I said, what? She said, you, you look all upset. I said, no, I'm fine. She said, but your face is twisting. And I said, that's my characters. 
that's not me. So now I try to keep her out of the room. <laughs> I think you I think go on the other side of the door and let me do my my crazy insane stuff, which is you know what creativity is all about. And creating characters for me, I think it's the best part of the writing yes. process. You just decide who they are, what they want to eat, what they want to do. For me, this is priceless. It's a little like being God, <laughs> right? <laughs> I want to tell that, but I don't want to think that I am a narcissist. <laughs> no, wait, no, right is narcissist? No, no, never such a thing. We have no egos, right? Well, then the flip side is that we have the ego because we think people want to read what we've written, but then there's the insecurity. Oh my God, it's no good. <laughs> Did you have that as well? Yeah. yeah. Me too. That's why writers drink wine. Yeah, that's uh... yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> nice to talk with you. And uh, Gary, you are currently working on the third installment of your series. Can you tell us a bit about it? Well, it's called The Dug Out to Peace and the world kind of will finally, hopefully, come together. Like I said, I want to bring a positive message because, you know, with, with you look around and what we've been through with the pandemic and there's so much hatred and hostility in the world. And I want to say that it doesn't need to be like this. We can come together. We're all, you know, we all want the same things at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. And Gary, is there a message you would like to leave for our listeners, anything you want to tell us? To, to remember that um, what, what unite, there's more that unites us than divides us. Beautiful, I just love it. It's from you? Yes. Gary, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter at, at writergary, on Instagram and Facebook at uh, Gary Morgenstein. And my books are, you know, all over the world through Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple Books, you know, everywhere. If someone in Spain wants it, that's fine. And maybe you could work on getting a, a, a Spanish language production of one of my plays. Wow, of course. And Gary, you are always welcome to the RV. Actually, I love going to New York. It's one of my favorite cities. We'll be happy to have you again. Thank you so much. It's been a, a delight. Thank you, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.